There's no shame in seeking more out of life. It's completely acceptable to want to feel fully alive. If you feel a calling, if you've reached midlife or beyond and ache for something to light you up or to set you free, then this is the place for you. There's a seed inside you that wants to grow? Well, I invite you to join me in some insightful conversations about what it means to have reached midlife or beyond and find that you want a deeper connection with self and spirit, that you have dreams that you never dared act upon before now, that no matter your age, you're willing to finally meet your heart's longing and start an adventure to your true self. I'm Patty Diener, an author, an entrepreneur, and a seeker of the best life possible in our beautiful second act. So let's get started. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Beautiful Second Act. I'm Patty Diener, your host, and welcome to the first episode in season two. I'm so excited to start off this new season. I've had an opportunity to speak with so many fantastic human beings that are in midlife and beyond, all kinds of ways that we can celebrate living our best life in the second half of life. And also I've had an opportunity to touch base with folks that have struggled with finding what it is that will truly make them happy or struggling with guilt about doing the things that they truly want to be doing in the second half of life. You know, I think that when people talk about midlife crisis, I don't necessarily think that they happen or um, have to happen in midlife per se. I think that you can have a, a sense of identity issues at any age. And um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about why I feel so grateful and so alive and so vibrant at 53, where a lot of folks are stuck. I am finally feeling a sense of freedom, which I think is what we're all really ultimately searching for is we feel our best when we feel like we're free human beings, free to make the choices that we want to make, free to live the way we want to live. But I had an, a complete and utter what I would consider full-on mental breakdown um, at 33. It started about 32 and it just kind of spiraled out of control to the point where I was the most lost I had ever been up until that point. And then I had another mini one um, about a decade later, not quite at 42 or 43, but just before that. And it's when I finally realized that I was not accepting all parts of myself. And um, I think that that's when, when you don't accept all the parts of yourself is when you feel the most lost. So I think that the wisdom that comes with middle age or beyond um, is so beautiful because we let go and we let ourselves truly be who we really are and we accept all the parts of ourselves rather than trying to fit into certain uh, holes or, you know, uh, the boxes that society wants to put us in. So in my 30s, in my early 30s, I was, um, I was a stay-at-home mother at the time and I truly was doing everything in my power to make sure I was super mom and super wife. And in doing that, I had a true burnout. And I mean burnout to the point where um, 
it was not just mentally, but it became physically a complete and total true burnout. Um, I wasn't my healthy self. Um, I was very irritable. I was very depressed. Um, I couldn't find joy in, in almost anything I, I tried. And I was, I was probably clinically depressed and needed some help. But being the super mom and the super wife, um, I denied all that and continued to push forward. And there's a few things that stand out my mind from thinking back to that 20-something years ago in that I was always busy and pushing and doing. And in a society nowadays, and I see it even now, and I watch these younger couples with their small children that, that continue to do it, and I almost feel that, uh, not that 2020 and uh, the, the pandemic and the COVID virus was a blessing, because it absolutely was not, but there are certain aspects to forcing us to slow down and to take inventory of what's going on in the world and in our lives that I think were important and, ne and necessary, because... I think people need to slow down and really think about what's important. When we were children, if you're, you know, you know, born in the 60s or before, when we were children, um, we would go outside and we would play. We would put on our play clothes because we had play clothes and we had, you know, the going to dinner or going to church or going out clothes or going to school clothes. But we would put on our play clothes and we would go outside and um, my friends and I would ride bikes in the streets. We would hold um, bake sales and lemonade stands. And we had our very own um, yard sales, if you want to call them that. We would set up little card tables at the corner of our street. And we would end up in selling all of our stuff to our friends. And then they'd sell their stuff to us. <laughs> um, we'd play library. We would, we would make mud pies and bake them in the sun we would climb trees and build pretend nests like we were birds up in the trees. I'd, you know, chase chickens and play with my dogs and collect acorns and make crafts out of things from nature. It was a beautiful time to grow up. And it was, you know, there was limited television. We had like four channels, I think, and um, only half of our friends had color TV sets. It was a spectacular time to be a child because our imaginations were running wild and we were free. That's the point. We were free. We were not overscheduled. We were not going from one event to the next. We, our weekends were not filled with going from one basketball game to a football game to a volleyball game. We were not, um, you know, constantly involved in extracurricular activities. It was a time where there were, there were such things like I was in a school play and, you know, I, I went to dance class once a week. But there was so much more downtime than I see with the younger families of today. And I was right on the cusp of you know, that with, with my children when they were growing up, that everybody had all these expectations that if you don't keep your kids busy, then they're going to get in trouble. And there is some truth to that. But I think that what happens is when you push so hard to fill every second of the day, you end up, you find out that you have no time to complete a thought. And you have no time for wonder or for imagination. And that's what kids need today, in my opinion. 
So when I had my breakdown when I was in my early 30s, I had two very small children. I'd already been running a daycare for about, oh gosh, at that point I'd been running it for about five or six years. Um, I had left the workforce to stay home so I could raise my children. And if any of you have been at stay-at-home parent, you know what it's like at the end of the day. You just are dying to have an adult conversation. You'd even call up the operator if you could just ask some mundane questions to hear an adult voice. But the thing is, is um, I, I didn't have very many people to reach out to when I was staying at home. All my friends were in the workforce, or most of them were, and my husband was quite busy in the fire service. And to be honest, I felt a sense of shame. I felt shame that I was not in a high power, um, high paying job out in the world, you know, um, going to lunches and, and having meetings. I felt shame that I didn't finish my college education. And I felt shame that I didn't, um, I didn't feel like I had a sense of community or purpose. And I know that that's silly now looking back because I had one of the greatest purposes of all, and that is to raise children and to, to be a mother and to be a wife and to, to contribute to household. And I know that that was very important now looking back. But during that time, I had, you know, if I ever did have an opportunity to get a sitter and to go out with my husband and then the women would ask in those, those very uncomfortable circles, well, what do you do? And I'd have to swallow my pride and, and say something, you know, about being a domestic goddess, <laughs> making a joke of it, when the fact of the matter was, is I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. Um, I love my children. I loved them so much then even. I was very, very grateful for the opportunity. And the guilt that I had was that I wanted so much to stay at home and be the one to raise them. But at the same time, I felt guilty for wanting something else and wanting something more for myself. So at the end of the day, I, um, I had a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness built up because by the time my husband would get around to being home, he also was a farmer. And so he would work a full-time job and bless his heart, he was just struggling to find the time to be able to maintain and keep up the family ranch as well. So it's not like he was like going off to play golf with his friends or it's not like he was going and hanging out at the bars in the evening. He did none of that. He was working his ass off. But in my mind's eye, I was seeing him get to go and have adult conversations, get to go out to lunch with the firefighters, get to go to meetings, you know, once a month or a couple times a month in the evenings to go and, you know, at the fire station and, and have those connections. I felt so incredibly lost and isolated. And um, it, it was a it was a huge strain uh, because it was the way that I thought about things and the way that I saw things. So um, you fast forward to when I started my my business downtown when I, I opened up a day spa. And I figured it was great because I was running it. I had um, a, an area where my children could come to the shop if they needed to. They were both in school at this point. So I had them dropped off in the morning at school and then I was at work all day. And then if my husband had to pick them up after school, he did because uh, he was doing shift work. And I felt like things were finally moving towards the aha, this is the me time. I'm finally getting to do what I want to do. 
And um, I was very well supported, both by my husband and my family and my community. And it was a wonderful thing for a while. But it took a great toll on my daughters who really desperately needed me, needed their mother, needed me more because I was spending very long hours at the shop and my day spa. And um, it, it just it got to the point where they needed me and I needed to make a choice. And of course, my family was going to win out. But at least I had that sense of I know now that what I'm capable of. I know now that I can do these things, that I created something from nothing and I was proud of myself. And it, for a while, it, um, it eased that tension of feeling that I needed to do more. But I also started then very quickly falling right back into that same trap of what society deems is important for your children. We were overscheduling them. Uh, we got our oldest daughter involved in all kinds of art and in theater and um, softball. And then our younger one, when she was old enough, she too started getting involved in you know, volleyball, softball, basketball. And between the two girls having those things going on, I thought to myself, I don't know how some of these parents do it that have more than two children. It was a struggle for my husband and I just to keep them going with all the activities that they had for just two kids. So you figure, where does the mom or the dad have time for themselves in all of this? Where do you make it a priority? And how do you not get lost in that sense of everybody else's time and needs are so much more important than that of my own? Where do I hold value other than how I serve others? Where do I hold um, space for just my own thoughts and my own self? I had um, a very dear family member tell me one time when I was trying so hard to, because um, at, at that point we had also um, had our nephew living with us off and on. And so I was struggling so much to try and do everything for everybody. And I remembered trying to fix these meals and making sure that all of the food groups were, you know, accounted for in each of the meals I prepared and one day she said to me, Jesus Christ, my God, open a can of Campbell's soup, throw it on the table with a grilled cheese sandwich and call it good. You're not starving them to death. And it doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. They're kids, for Christ's sake. They don't really care. And I went, wow, why can't I do that? Why wasn't I doing that? And it, it really was a big eye opener for me in that we try so hard. And now that I am older and I am, you know, way past that, my girls are now 27 and 24. Um, they have their own lives. They are busy doing their own things. And I have this ability now that, you know, I've, I've retired early. I'm focusing now on writing my books and doing this, this podcast. And I just look back now and think to myself, what is it that happens to people that make them feel that they can't hold space for themselves? How is it that we can put value on ourselves? How is it that we can allow ourselves to do the things that we need to do to nourish our own souls? Um, I have been doing extensive reading and research and finding my way back to myself for the last decade. And I have to tell you, I feel so alive. I feel so grateful. 
I feel happy that even though I went through those difficult times, both, you know, my early 30s and then again in my very early 40s, and I know that they were breakdowns to the point of me having to break open. And I don't know who said it first, but it is so true that the broken parts of us are where the light shines in. And that's where I needed. I needed to feel the light. I needed to be broken open so that I could see that I was whole. I just needed to accept all the parts of myself. I needed to be able to say I'm worth the time to take away from all these people that need something from me. It's okay. And gosh, it's just, it's so wonderful to be on this side of that, that, that hill now. Um, people, <laughs> people often call be getting older, being over the hill. And I think that it is a fantastic analogy because you know what? I think going downhill is the easiest part. That means if you think about it, you guys, as a true analogy, being over the hill, it goes faster, but it's smoother riding. And I mean, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have some ailments and we're going to have some, you know, wrinkles and um, may, maybe see our doctors more often. Um, but I have to tell you, there's a freedom in letting go. There is a blessing and a beauty in saying, I don't have to wear my makeup every time I go to the grocery store. Or I don't have to worry about what other people think of me. Or it's okay if I decide that tonight I'm not cooking and I am going to just open up a can of soup and grill a grilled cheese sandwich and tell my husband here. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to feel like, you know, if I have an extra 10 or 20 pounds on me, it's not the end of the world because I'm a happy person. I'm a happy human being because I accept me for exactly who I am, beautiful on the inside and out, no matter what society says. I have been looking, you guys, on the front cover of AARP magazine lately. You would be surprised at all of the humans that have reached midlife and beyond that are famous and all dolled up, men and women, gorgeous. And you know what? They have wrinkles now. They have gray hair now. They have a little bit of weight on them now. They're still beautiful. <laughs> and it seems to me that, you know what? If they can do it and they can say, here I am, you know, lumps, wrinkles, warts and all. This is me. This is who I am. Love me for who I am because I do. And when you do, the rest of the world does too because you radiate this beautiful glow and you'll start attracting all of these wonderful things in your life. I just adore being older. I got to tell you, I've never been happier in my life. So that being said, I'm going to leave you guys with one tip today of a movie that I want you all to see if you haven't seen it. And I might've mentioned this before, but uh, Helen Mirren is in it, and I think that's the name of the actress. I'm going to put it in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see Calendar Girls. It's about a bunch of women in midlife and beyond who end up 
doing a nude calendar, a nude calendar, 12 months. They do, they pose nude in a calendar, one woman for each month of the year, although their bosoms are covered um, with like flowers or melons or, <laughs> or muffins or something, because um, they're just showing the beauty of an older woman. And um, it's not, you know, like Playboy spread or anything like that. It's, it's, it's very tastefully done. But the movie is hilarious because the reason they did it was to raise money, raise funds for a friend of theirs that was fighting cancer. And they got all of these women in their village um, to do this. They had to get, the, and then they had, of course, they had to find a photographer. And that was a kind of a touchy situation. And it's a hilarious heartwarming, wonderful film. If you've not seen it, Calendar Girls, you're going to have to check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. It will make you feel connected. It will make you laugh. It will make you realize that there is so much beauty in accepting every part of yourself at any age. I hope that you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. We have our first interview podcast coming up on Thursday. We have so many others lined up for season two. I'm really thrilled that you're here. Um, the last thing I'm going to tell you is to make sure that you check in the show notes for links to my book, After the Fire. Um, it is a book that was based on the 2015 Valley Fire that happened here in Lake County, California, where I live. And... Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to start off with for now. I've got some really great stuff coming up that I'm going to be offering to you guys. But for today, I think that that's all I'm going to say. So I'm just so grateful, so grateful that you guys are here. If you have just joined Beautiful Second Act, don't forget we have a Facebook group called Beautiful Second Act. I'd really like you to join our Facebook group there about all the things inspirational about living your best life in the second half of life. And join me on Instagram. Go to Instagram at Beautiful Second Act. And um, yeah, I just want you to join the party and, and be part of the conversation. Much love to all of you. And I'll be talking to you. Cheers.